Well, I've got I've got two kids, one thirty seven, one thirty four. You know, and um, they self park because they don't want to tip. Okay, and they uh, my son uses benchmark indexed funds. Okay, because he doesn't want to pay a fee. Okay, and he's he's conscious of mutual fund internal operating fees or whatever. And it, frugal is right. Okay, because quite frankly, the price of good advice is not cheap. Hello and welcome to Blue Spring Out Loud. I'm Stuart Silverman and with me on today's show are special guests Mike Ruddleson and Aaron Durden of LifeBridge Financial Group in Houston, Texas. Mike and Aaron each built successful practices and ultimately sold them to Blue Spring and merged them together in an effort to build scale while developing a long-term succession plan for Mike and for the firm. Today, we're going to be talking about succession planning and the relationship between the founder or what we refer to as the G1, which would be you, Mike, and the successor or the G2, and that would be you, Aaron. And with that, I'm going to jump right into some questions and let you guys share your magic. Uh, Mike, you're the founder of your firm, and Aaron's the successor. How'd you know that Aaron was the right fit to your, assume your responsibilities as a business manager and to begin working with your clients? Well, I didn't. Uh, it was actually a very fortunate accident. Uh, it was 2015. Uh, it was Michael G. Ruddleson and Company. I was one advisor and one assistant in an office, and uh, I didn't feel so good. And... Uh, Two weeks later, I was being checked out of Texas Children, uh, Texas Heart Institute and told that I had something called dilated cardiomyopathy, which is fatal. I had a one in 10 chance of making it a year and a one in five chance of making it two. Um, I called my boss at the time, James Poor, who's still our boss, and I said, I'm not gonna make it. And he said, we need to find somebody that can stand in and take over for you. I said, absolutely. I've got a lot of clients, hundreds of clients, hundreds of millions of dollars in our management. The problem is in our business, which is a niche business, um, you have to have a special skill set. You Not everybody can walk in and manage money on these platforms. It's very complicated. And fortunately, they found somebody in a group that has the skill sets and has the skills and actually acquired LifeBridge Michael G. Ruddleson closed down, and I actually became a managing director along with Aaron at LifeBridge, which was at the end of 2016. November of 2016, that's correct. Um, it wasn't until 2018 that they said, oh, we're sorry, that was the wrong diagnosis. And now I'm expected to live a normal life. Um, they did miss the call. It was actually a transient infection that attacked my heart and uh, I'm in perfect health and enjoying my career more than I ever have before. That's an unbelievable story. I, we could do a, a whole story. show on that story, actually. because <laughs> nothing, yeah, nothing but the truth. That's right? amazing. We maybe will come back and do a show sure, on that. Sure. But for today, as we talk about the succession planning, and again, you've gone through so much. Now you've been together for a little over three years, mm -hmm. so we're going to learn a lot from you guys. Aaron, to kind of turn to you, uh, what, what made you know that Mike and the firm were the best fit for you? Because you're merging two totally different practices Sure, together. No, that's a great question. Um, I knew at the beginning of my career that I ultimately wanted to have a firm, an ensemble, um, a group of people that had different skill sets that they could bring to the table so that we could better serve our clients. 
And when Mike and I ran into each other under the circumstances that he just described, he runs a very different business model, or at least at the time did. And I thought the way that he ran his business would be a good way to integrate into my business um, his skill set. And so I think really it was the fact that we uh, had such differing skill sets that actually brought us together so that we can offer a broader range of services to our clients. That's, that's great. I'm going to talk about those differing skill sets, but I'm, I'm curious about something. What are some of the biggest challenges you've each had in terms of integrating your, your businesses together and transitioning your clients? Well, I, you know, I think that, that number one, at the outset, because it was one of the first deals that was done, or the acquisitions, it was done under a different model or economic model than what would be traditional. And therefore, our interests weren't completely aligned and the same in the beginning financially, which put a little bit of pressure on the relationship initially. Okay, uh, That's since been solved um, with, with the help of, of, of Kester and with the help of, of Blue Spring. Um, you know, you're also talking about a 62-year-old baby boomer merging a business with a millennial. And the way we operate and the way we think about life, the way we do things, is very, very much different. I, um, as I told you before, I wasn't a really great student at the University of Texas. I have a Bachelor of Journalism in Public Relations with a minor in Shakespeare. And here I am, um, uh, a money manager, investment advisor for now 40 years. And I think we manage 500 million okay, on behalf of almost a thousand clients. Um, I'm very, very good at relationships. And, and I look at the business as a journey with people that you take from the time you're young until the time you get older, the time you retire, until the time you pass away. Okay? These guys, all of them, have high credentials, okay? have systems in place, okay? have degrees, have certifications that I don't have, and they have skill sets that I don't have and that I will never have. Okay? And it's very important in this business environment today to have the skill sets, to have the certification, to have everything tool in your kit to use because it is a tougher environment and a different environment. Wow. How about you? How was the integration for you, Aaron, from your perspective? Well, I think it's, it went largely smoothly. Um, I would say the one major difference uh, between Mike's practice and, and LifeBridge when we started out was um, the way we manage money. Mike uses a lot of individual securities, uh, stocks, and um, uh, discretionary accounts, which was not uh, common or what we were using in our practice at that point in time. Uh, so we've had to be creative over the last three years in figuring out how we merge my old money management style into Mike's man money management style. And I think we've done a very good job of it. We've, we've done it to where we can both use the other's strategy if we want, but we can still continue using what we feel is best for the clients that we're directly working with. That must have been a big adjustment for both of you, getting used to each other and merging them because you want to create a consistent client deliverable at the end. It creates more value and, and perpetuity for the business. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, you start off with a culture of my client and his client, mm -hmm. okay? Right. And that has since changed to our clients, okay? And he sees my clients as he wishes on his own without me. You know, we will see clients together, but it's now one team. And so, and it's a great team. Okay? And um, we continue to attract new business, okay? um, have a very, very high retention rate of existing business. Okay? And now I have the ability to, when I get younger referrals in, 
to refer them to Aaron or Selena, our other advisor, because they too need to create these journeys, okay? At age 35 or 37 now? Uh, soon to be 38. 38, you know, at 62. Uh, my people are, are aging, okay? So the younger people need to be with the younger advisors so they can create the 20 or 25 or 30 year journeys with them right. that I've been able to create with my relationships. And so it's very, very important for the next generation okay, of growth in our business. The other part of it is, is that, you know, it, we are focusing almost exclusively now on asset center management or fee-based investment advisory work and moving farther and farther away from commission-based work, right. which is also an industry trend. And I think you're going to see that trend continue. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And with, five, with half a billion under management, you're certainly doing a great job with that, which is nice. Got a question. Um, you talked about clients and transition. How have you guys gone about communicating the transition, the integration to clients, and even the transition of kind of the, the partnership role, ultimately the managing director role? How do you guys communicate with clients, and what do you say? Well, so initially when the merger happened, we sent out a letter um, acknowledging that uh, we were going to become a firm, uh, um, an ensemble practice together, and that went out to all clients. And so that was their first uh, notification that, hey, something's changing. Uh, we tried to highlight the you know, value add, the benefits that they were going to begin to see from the merger. Uh, and then from there, we really got, on, got down to a personal level. Mike and I started seeing some of his uh, uh, long-tenured clients uh, together, and they would meet me, and some of them follow up with me and, and work alongside with me and Mike. Uh, but I think the, the next step that we also took, or the third thing, is there was a subset of clients that um, we felt I would probably relate to very well and probably would be benefited by working with me. And so I reached out to them on an individual basis, and gosh, we're talking a list of hundreds of clients and uh, had a really good response rate of people wanting to get kind of back in the routine of being participatory in the process with us. Well, you mentioned, actually, I'll go back to something we talked about earlier. You mentioned you each have different skill sets, but complementary skill sets. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, I'm, a, I'm actually a sales guy. You know, mm -hmm. I started out of college studying women, women's wear on the road in Kansas City, women's blouses. Are we talking about your dating life? Or are we talking no, about... No, oh, there we no go. which is, is there actually, you know, for a colorblind Jewish guy to be on the road selling, you know, women's blouses, I didn't do real well, but I could always sell and meet and right. open new accounts. I have doorknob fear, okay, but I'm able to over... I was always able to overcome it. So I have built these relationships over the past decades by basically meeting people. They became my friends. Okay. They're still my friends. They also happen to be my clients. Okay, And we travel together. We play together. We drink together. We eat together. I work with them. I work with their children. Um, unfortunately, I spend a lot of time visiting hospitals right now. I go to a lot of funerals. Okay, um, And that's just part of life. I, you know what? People die. You know, And that's going to be us one day. And the business needs to go on. And so the staff we have are good for another 30 years, you know, so we continue to grow and create a legacy, right. which is now going to be for Blue Spring. That's great. How about your role, your role and your skill set? What would you say that would? Well, again, one of the reasons I wanted to pair with Mike is he is very good at money management. Uh, we actually were competitors in the same marketplace for all the time up leading to the 
uh, merger, and I would hear from time to time uh, how well Mike was doing with the other portion of the portfolio that I wasn't managing. So his money management skills are, um, um, you know, one of the best that I've seen in the industry. But my passion is strategic planning. Um, I like the tactical side of sitting down with the client and saying, "You've got three kids." Here's where you want to go. Here's where they want to go to uh, college. Uh, this is the age that you want to retire. You know, all of that and creating the actual financial plan so that they can sit down with concrete information, stuff that's actionable, and they can move forward towards their goals and objectives. So I really like the planning side of it on my end. That's great. And I can see how they fit together. And, and may I also add, he is an excellent administrator. Okay. So what my skill sets do not include human resources management. I'm not particularly delicate. Um, I don't like those kinds of functions or hiring and firing and payroll and bonuses and evaluations and things like that. So Aaron gets to make that call. He generally consults with me on it if it's questionable, but that's his role. And so he is the head administrative partner of the firm. And hopefully what we do hear from a lot of Blue Spring firms are that we take over the back office being some of that because we want you to focus on more client-facing things. So we'll take over the benefits, we'll take over the payroll, we'll take over the financial reporting, the P&Ls. But still, you're front and center in communicating with your clients. It's your business as an entrepreneur to run and as a partner. But I hope that takes some some pressure off you so you can focus on the more client-facing. Oh, it does, absolutely. The infrastructure that Kestra has and you know the support that we get is phenomenal. Yeah, I've been with a broker-dealer now for 20 years. Okay, And it's, it's been called different things from time to time. But... It's a great broker-dealer and where I certainly plan to spend the rest of my career. Uh, they're wonderful people. Um, they get it wrong sometimes like everybody does, but they're, they're quick to come and correct it. And the mistakes are not huge and they're not often. Right. Lots of family. You, we have something unique with the two of you because you, a big part of our value proposition is succession planning and coordinating between the founder and the successor and mm-hmm. providing for a smooth transition and explanation of clients. Now that you've been together for three years, I'm, I'm wondering what other firms and people listening can learn from that. What have you learned and what might you do, recommend that people do differently or the same? Go ahead, Michael. Let's take it. Well, you know, it's always a process, right? You know, you, you don't know whether you're doing the right thing, whether you're doing the wrong thing. You just kind of learn in battle, okay? And, you know, we, we've seen some industry trends that are a little bit weird recently in that, People are becoming more fee sensitive. Okay, uh, the millennials really don't want to pay fees because they are cheap. Okay, uh, the older ones um, don't want to pay fees because when you're charging one percent of a half a million dollars, it's one thing. When you're charging one percent of seven million dollars, it's another. Okay, and people are very sensitive to that. You know, and that combined with occasionally the perception of me joining an ensemble practice like LifeBridge, basically giving up Michael G. Ruddleson, okay, which is, doesn't mean anything, is that perhaps I'm stepping out, okay, and perhaps I'm fading away, okay, and therefore maybe people can take their money elsewhere, okay, because I'm not really in it anymore, okay. I don't know that that's specifically the case, but I think everybody needs to understand our clients' perception when a change like that happens, okay? And you don't really know how people really perceive that. And I think, I think people that are going through this kind of merger or transition really need to be aware of, of what's going on. 
you guys have made it clear to me, I've made it clear to you that I am not ready to retire. I'm not ready to leave. I am ready to share. I'm ready to continue doing this because quite frankly, if I didn't do, do this, I don't know what I would do, you know, possibly drive Uber. I mean, I, you know, I guess it would, <laughs> I guess it would be fun. I, I don't know, but I'd like to do this as long as I'm still allowed to do it and still able to do it effectively. So this transition is not me leaving. It's me now being part of a team and being able to do so much more and offer so much more. I think that's uh, that's well put. And the beauty of our business model, Blue Spring, not to put a plug in, but is that we want you to stay. We we understand that an entrepreneur built this thing, and the rela- it's all about relationships. And our hopes are and dreams are you stay as long as you as you can and you want. And uh, I think I'm living proof of that, considering I sold my business seven and a half years ago and mm-hmm. still continue to to do this and love it. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, we're in this business because we love what we do, and sure. it's our biggest hobby and our mm-hmm. passion. And I think that's where we're both so aligned. And quite frankly, most of the Blue Spring firms we see. The same pattern. A lot of people are just like you and I saying, I want to stay around. I love this. I love my clients. They're my family. Well, and I also also like the fact that, you know, I'm learning what, you know, I'm I'm an old old hand at this and I'm set in my ways and I do things the old fashioned way. And, And you get a young group that comes in that actually is concerned with about family. Okay, and about personal life and about their kids and about quality time in their marriages and you know, so we're starting to get into things like flex time, okay, where people are able to work from home because ours is a business, you know, one day every alternate week or something like that. So people can actually be balanced and whole in their entire life, not just be completely work, 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 like I've always been. Okay? And, and these guys have happy families and are happy people, okay, and that comes into the workplace, in balance, and I think it's very, very important. Yeah, that makes sense. Something that I'd add to that um, from a succession perspective is patience. You've got to have patience. This is not an overnight overhaul. Um, We started this in 2016, and I really feel that 2020 is going to be our year because we have all the infrastructure in place. We've gotten through the hurdles that were put in front of us, and now that's all in the rearview mirror, and we can take a step forward, but patience is the key word that I would suggest to somebody that was going through the succession program or process. Just one question. I got to go back to something your partner said. He called millennials cheap. Any response there? Um, Frugal, responsible. (laughs) Uh, I guess cheap probably is a good description. (laughs) They want value for their money. Value for the money. Well, I've got, I've got two kids, 137, 134, you know, and um, they self park because they don't want to tip. Okay, and they, uh, my son uses benchmark indexed funds, okay, because he doesn't want to pay a fee, okay, and he's, he's conscious of mutual fund internal operating fees or whatever, and frugal is right, okay, because quite frankly, the price of good advice is not cheap, so you better really, really be a value add for the money, and I think what Aaron and the group brings to me is a real value add for the money paid. And that's a retention tool. And you know how important that is. Yeah, that's true. And you wouldn't have built the business and have that much money under management where you're not providing true value. So I think that's terrific. And what I love about your business is you're providing it for multiple generations and different ages, which means you're able to appeal to different people at different stages with different needs. 
one thing, because you have the three years of experience of being together, I'm curious what advice you'd give another founder in success who are just early in this process, just starting to do the same thing. What would you tell them if they're, again, just starting to work and coordinate their practices? You know, I think Aaron's comment about being patient, okay, uh, learning to become a better listener, okay, is, you know, my compliance department friends say here, Michael, why don't you say it, don't scream it, okay, because I've got it to hard edge, okay, and I need to learn to soften my edge a little bit, and I have, with their help, okay, um, and, and there's not necessarily, my way is not necessarily the, the best way to do things. You get a talented G2 with a good skill set, and maybe his way is better. You know, and I'm learning a lot that his way is better. You know, and uh, we, we, we rarely get into it over anything, ever. Yeah, okay. I don't think one time at all in three years. Well, I think you, you know, you, t- you, you drank all of the last sparkling water out of the refrigerator. <laughs> I don't, even, or, I don't or, even drink sparkling you know, water. <laughs> or, or somebody took the last bag of chips or, you know, the Oreos. And, and, and I was a little upset about that. But, you know, that's about the worst thing. One thing I'd say is communication is key uh, early in the process. You're going to have a lot of big projects that you have to do uh, as part of the merger. Um, but you've got to communicate so that everybody on the team is on the same page. And that's a key um, factor to, I think, how well we were able to integrate. Everybody knew what the objective was, why we were doing it, who we were doing it for. And so, again, much like patience is a, a critical component, I think um, uh, communicating is key. Yeah, and, and not everything goes well every day. You know? right. I mean, and unfortunately, sometimes you lose business. Sometimes you don't make a sale. Sometimes there's something sad or bad that happens, and that's just part of the process, and we don't overreact to it. We try and build each other up, support each other, um, and, and you know, promote each other as much as we possibly can in a positive way. And it's important to remember that every day, even in a tough time. Yeah. How do your, uh, now you've got the employees, when I talk to business owners who are thinking of doing a transaction or making some sort of change, monetizing their business, uh, there's always the impact on, I, I care most about, A, that my clients are well taken care of, my employees are well taken care of, my legacies lived on. Well, you guys are three years into this, and how's that affected your clients, your employees, your legacy? Do you feel that that's, you know, you have, does it all come together for them? Are you getting any pushback? Is, do they look at you and say, oh, you're an acquired firm, or you're different than you were before, you've changed names? Where are we with that? I, don't, I think clients see it as an absolute positive on both sides of the table. Um, I can leverage the experience that Mike has. Um, he can leverage the experience that we have from a planning perspective. Um, so, you know, that's just my, my view on that issue in particular. Yeah, you know, it's, um, like I said, it, 2019 was a tough year in that our persistency rates, which are huge in our industry, at the 98, 99 percentile, you know, maybe dropped to 96 or 97 percent. And, and, that's kind of eye-opening and upsetting because I don't like losing clients. Nobody does, okay? But unfortunately, it happens sometimes. Um, and I said 19 was a year when we lost a little bit more than we wanted to, uh, didn't get as much new business as we wanted to. Fortunately, we had the market, um, but the numbers were a little disappointing for me. Uh, I know they were for Aaron, too. 2020 is just done in about face. All of a sudden, new clients, new referrals. I'm picking up checks or people are dropping off checks on Saturday and Sunday at the 
concierge downstairs. I'm taking them to the office to me. I've got money to invest. You know, what do you want? And yeah. we, I, last Sunday, um, we were talking last night at dinner. I made a really, really, really nice new client, large accredited client, okay, that's um, a really, really nice one. And it's really good to see. So the whole trend of 19, which is a little soft, has completely reversed itself. And now we're seeing numbers that are up double digits year over, double digits year over year. That's great. Uh, question: You're also a unique business because you have a very specific target market or a focus, from what I understand. On what is it? Um, uh, medical professions and the UT at MD Anderson, uh, at the MD Anderson Career Cancer Center in Houston. Academic academic medicine. People. Oh, that's what it is. Academic medicine. Okay, so I'd, I'd be curious. How you focus on that market? How do your company's values align maybe with that target market? And how, how that's perpetuated or prevailed, especially, again, in, in light of the partnership and moving forward? Well, recently we've leveraged social media, specifically LinkedIn, Facebook, um, as a way to really begin to dial into our niche audience um, that is at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um, Mike, what would you say? Well, you know, historically I was thrown into that role. Okay, because I turned down a promotion okay, at a company called Integrated Resources, mm -hmm. and I refused to move to uh, Los Angeles. Okay? And um, so I said, fine, you're demoted to sales rep from management, and uh, your territory is the Texas Medical Center. So in the 1980s, I started walking around doors at a University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center knocking on doors of physicians' offices, introducing myself and asking them if I could ha handle their retirement plans or they would consider talking to me about their retirement plans. Okay. Well, obviously, that's a niche business, and we don't need to get into why it's so complicated, but it is. And to find somebody else that basically did it the same way okay, and started it the same way and understands the nuances of it like I do, okay, and, and it's a great market. And like I said, there's not a whole lot of advisors that can do that. So our competitor is generally ignorance in that people choose a retirement plan when they're young, out of medical school, on faculty, and that's it. Okay, And then the money sits in the money market fund for the next 15 years, not allocated, not invested, because these people's primary focus isn't money. It's medicine, and it's curing cancer. You know? but they do need help in properly allocating these monies. And it's mandatory from the state of Texas that they contribute to these plans, and they do, and it's a lot of money, but they need help properly managing it. Because a guy today or a late young lady physician that are in their 30s basically can be in a position by age 55 to have a full retirement. And in a time where retirement is no longer a noun, it's a verb, where you do things, you travel places, you have fun, okay, you live longer. It's real important to be able to get people there as soon as you possibly can get them there. I like that mount of verb. You asked, um, you know, how do our values kind of align? And I think the biggest thing that I would say um, is simplification. Um, they have very complex lives. They work very long hours. They've got things to do outside of work. And if we can help simplify, to Mike's point, you know, clarify, help them understand, um, puts them in a better position to make decisions, uh, puts them in the driver's seat along with us. Um, and so I think that that's really critical. 
So as, we, as I know, I noticed our time is wrapping up. I have a couple more questions. I want to kind of get back to some of the fundamentals because I love hearing your story. I love the fact you guys have been doing this and kind of honing in on, on, the, on the business and how to work together over three years, and the partnership seems phenomenal. Uh, I'd love to get a, a little sense of the roles you each play and how you've done this because you've each, uh, my understanding is you each had your own businesses and wore every hat in the practice and mm. in the business. And now as partners and with the staff and with your growth rate, which has been phenomenal, how do you, do you divide up the roles? Who does what? And has that been working well? Well, predominantly I do the administrative uh, side of the business. Um, why? Well, one, I already had that infrastructure in place because I had a team when we merged. Um, secondarily, Mike is phenomenal at sales and I want him out there in front of clients and prospective clients as much as possible. Clearly, I've got sales skills myself, but uh, I think it makes sense for the way that we have it split out considering um, the number of staff that we have and uh, the practice that we are you know, really set out to accomplish. And, and uh, you know, I don't have, my kids are grown, okay? I'm not married. Um, I don't mind working the Saturdays and the Sundays, okay? And I actually have a lot of fun because that's my social group also. So I can do business along with having fun. And so I don't necessarily work long hours, but I work a lot of days. And, you know, I travel and I vacation with clients, you know, and, and I have a house in New Orleans that there's constantly clients coming to visit and we're going together. Um, and it's just become a very enjoyable situation because I'm very free to manage relationships. And I also know and very confident that Aaron is present always, number one, if something happens to me, but number two, is capable of handling anything, okay? Because it's now our practice, and they're our clients. It's not mine or his anymore, and that's big. Yeah. It's big. The move from I to we, which is so critical, and also Absolutely. gives you perpetuity, gives you sustainability, and gives you credibility to know that this business is going to last for for generations, which is what your clients want. And it gives the clients comfort too. Yeah, you know, there's a team behind it. It's not just one person. There's a group, and we're all you know there for the same reason to help simplify their financial lives. So one piece, the last piece of the business that I think about, and it applies so well because you probably do this with clients. A big part of the value proposition of Blue Spring, but also what you guys are doing, it's called succession planning. And I'm sure you see this with clients, too, that you're advising them on succession planning. How does that translate? Have you, had a, have you been able to talk about this with clients? And what advice would you give clients or other advisors talking or thinking about succession planning? Well, I mean, I would say the first thing is think about it and do it. You know, put, put something down. It doesn't matter how young you are, how new the business might be. You need to protect your clients. You need to protect your family. So uh, my phrase would be, you need to just do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a fact of life, Stuart. You know, people get old, okay, mm -hmm. and, and people lose effectiveness. You know, you need to retire or think about leaving on your A game, not your B or C game, you know. What does retirement look like, you know? What are you going to do? What am I going to do, okay? I'm not really sure what I'm going to do because I like doing this a lot, but what about in three years or five years or seven years? Am I going to feel the same way? Do I want to slow down? Okay. You know, like you, are we going to meet somebody? You know, I mean, yeah. you're going to have a relationship. I don't know. You know, I would like to think I could. Right. So what's that look like? You know, I want to have the ability to come down and sit and talk to Aaron and say, listen, I'd like to take less of a role and maybe take less money. Okay. And Maybe he takes more of a role. Um, you know, that's what's important about it. 
Okay, right now, I have no plans to do that. I think I'm needed. I think that I'm, I'm able to be effective. I think I'm adding to him and Selena and, and all the other staff's practice. Um, and we're growing. Um, sometimes growth is not in a straight line, but we are growing. Yeah. Uh, just do it. Is that what I heard? Uh, just do it. Just do it. There you go. Well, that's all for today's uh, episode of uh, Blue Spring Out Loud. I want to thank both of you, Mike and Aaron, for sharing. I think I learned a lot. I know our audience did. And uh, we hope our subscribers will tune in uh, and continue to watch and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so they never miss a future episode. But again, thank you so much. I learned a lot, and I think we're all going to grow from this. Well, thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.